this morning. Those who don't know what a quandary is, it's Graham's permanent state of existence. <laughs> haven't got a clue what you're doing. No, it's not that I don't have a clue. My problem is that God gave me two messages and I was hoping to get some confirmation through the gifts as to which message was appropriate. And both were confirmed. <laughs> I can't preach them both because it'll be at <laughs> six o'clock. But let me just say this, the constitution of this assembly affects what is spoken. Did you know that? It's not like set in stone. God wants to meet the needs of his people, right? So he might give me a wonderful message, but if the right people haven't come for that message, it's pointless. You understand? So we try and follow the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the one message that I must share this morning, it's what we taught on Thursday, all right? We have a feast on Thursday. Let me tell you the Bible study. We have an absolute, well, I do, have an absolute feast. And I encourage you to try and make it. It's really well worth it. Amen. But uh, the revelation, such a simple one, but it was so wonderful for me, I felt it's necessary to share it again. So I'm going to be talking on one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit this morning, and that is the fruit of kindness. What the Bible describes as kindness. Let's just go to Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, if you have a King James, you'll see that that word kindness is translated as gentleness. It gets a bit confusing in these fruit of the Spirit because different translations use different words interchangeably. But the lesson is not just on that fruit of kindness. The lesson is about generally understanding these fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the point I've tried to make so many times, which I'm going to make now, but let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. I pray that your word will be broken down by you, Holy Spirit, in such a way that every one of us here will leave this place equipped better encouraged and educated in the whole process of being your children on this earth. We come against any unclean spirit that would try and frustrate this word in the heart of those who hear it, or those within the sound of my voice. May your word produce life, wherever it is shown, in Yeshua's mighty name. As I was saying, the lesson is about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now you see, the theme that has really become strong in my heart is the fact that we generally think that the fruit of the Holy Spirit are weak. It's like the weak cousin to the Spirit, the mighty gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, everybody wants the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power and the healing and all this. And it's not wrong. It's not wrong. We need to, the Bible says, desire the spiritual gifts. We have to desire them. Amen. We have to desire them. But you see, in the same way, we need to desire the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal. They all go together. 
That's very important to understand. You see, the fruit of the Holy Spirit speak about His character. Amen? They are the character of God. The gifts are about His actions, His power, as it were. You see? And the truth of the matter is we must, must, must have both. They are interdependent. Why is that? Well, you see, if you and I do not demonstrate the character of God, he will be very reluctant to imbue us with his power. Do you understand? He's very cautious about that. Because, you see, when we and I are talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they are extremely powerful. They are supernatural gifts. And, you see, those gifts can so easily destroy a weak vessel. Amen? You see? And God's interested in the vessel. And we're going to be talking about that at some stage. But you see, you and I need to develop the character of God in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit. You see? And as we do so, we must also pursue the gifts, but God can trust us with the gift. You see? And the more of his giftings that we are experiencing, the greater anointing that we are experiencing, the greater we need to push into the, the fruit. Can you see that? We have to, they go together. I'll give you a simple example. One of the fruit of the Spirit is meekness, humility, you might call it. Well, you see, you and I need to be humble people, all right? We need to walk in humility with God, knowing that He's the source of our power. And you see, that's not too difficult if we're not experiencing much of His power. But the moment you and I start to experience His power, guess what? It becomes so much harder to walk in humility. Amen? Can you see that? It's harder to do. Let me give an example. I'm sitting with a whole lot of pastors and this one's got a church of 500, this one's got a church of 2,000, this one's got a church of 4,000, this one's got a church of 72, and I'm sitting with a church of 20. It's quite easy for me to be humble in their midst. <laughs> do you understand? Quite easy to be humble. <laughs> but what I've discovered is the man with the big church, it's quite hard for him to be humble. Do you know? It's not easy. It's not easy. Because he looks at an individual and he says, how many people have you got in your church? I always ask you that. You see? I love to say this. Well, on a good day, it's about five. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you know what I find so often? You say to this great minister that you've got five, all of a sudden, guess what? He starts talking to the guy next to him. <laughs> I don't count anymore, you see. It's sad, but it's true. What am I saying? You see, with the awesome power comes awesome responsibility. So if we're not developing the fruit in our lives, kiss the gifts goodbye. You understand? Kiss them goodbye. God won't trust us. But he doesn't want to do that. He wants to trust us. But we have a responsibility to develop them. And like I say, with all things of God, they are a process. Amen? We grow in them. Amen? We grow in them. You might say, well, I don't operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit now. Start. We can grow in them. They're all inside of us. The moment you and I say to the Father God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit, boom! Do you know something? All nine gifts and all nine fruit are resident inside of you. Right there. Are we operating in them? No, not necessarily. Are we specialists in them? No, not necessarily. 
But God wants us to start developing them, you see. We've got them inside of us. The fruit, it's so important. It's so important to realize we have the fruit inside of us. You see? Oh Lord, give me patience. <laughs> Isn't that a lovely prayer? Somebody swerves in front of you, you swear at them, say, oh, I haven't got patience. God's going to give me one day. Oh, that's, that's Graham for you. Sin now, repent later sort of thing. But it doesn't work with God because that's a lie. You understand? Why? It's inside of you. It's inside of us. What does God expect us to do? Make a choice and operate. Amen? Find out what the fruit are in a situation. How am I supposed to operate and operate in it? And here's the mystery, you see. The more you and I decide, every time we decide, even when we push not to decide, you understand? Every time we choose to decide, something happens. And the day does come when we don't have to decide anymore because guess what? That's who we are. Amen? That's who we are. We are just automatically patient. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Is anyone a fellow sufferer, impatient sufferer like me? <laughs> Isn't there a song? I want it and I want it now. <laughs> it was a pop song like that. What a terrible song to teach at all. But anyway, we're talking this morning about this fruit which is called kindness. And I recommend, if your Bible says gentleness, rather replace it with kindness. We'll understand how it is gentleness, but gentleness is something different. Okay, now, let me just say this. When you and I read the Bible, we really want to understand it. Because another trick of the devil is very simply this. He gives us a vague understanding. Right? I've said this so many times. Please, everybody, this is so important to grasp. The trick of the trade is to give everybody a vague understanding. You see? And if you've got a vague understanding, how effective are you? Imagine you're landing in the business place. You know, the boss says, well, where is this file? Oh, sir, I've got a vague. Exactly. Yeah. If a client phones you and says, I want this particular product. Oh, I've got a vague idea what you're talking about. How far are you going to get? Amen? Vague doesn't work. Except for the devil, you see. Because as long as it's vague, you can do nothing about it. And let me tell you, all of these fruit of the Holy Spirit, if you just hear the common word that we use, we all have a vague understanding. Right? And because we've got a vague understanding, we don't know really what it is. We can't operate in it. And furthermore, we don't really want to. Take something like meekness. Tell somebody in the world, oh, you're supposed to be meek. <laughs> what do they think of meek? A meek little lamb. Weak, slapped around, mat that you walk all over. That's what they think, isn't it? That's what meekness conjures up in the potato between the ears. But it's got nothing to do with that. Did you know that? Nothing whatsoever. Meekness is not weakness. It's extreme power. And that's the message through these fruit of the Holy Spirit. They release terrific power in your and my life. Did you know that? Awesome power, overcoming power in our lives. But we've got to understand what they are. Amen. And you see, how do we find out what they really are? Well, the starting point I've found very often is to look at the root Greek word. You don't have to be a Greek scholar 
just have a concordance and you find out what the root word is because all these words have got a root meaning. You see? They've got a root meaning. For example, radical. What does radical mean? The heart of it is root. When you're radical, you deal with something at the roots, you see? You need to be radical about your my sin. Did you know that? What I'm saying is when we look at the Greek word, very often it helps us. It helps us. But that's not always the case. All right? Not always the case. We have to also look at the context in which the word is used. Amen? For example, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is defined as faithfulness. Faithfulness. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is faith. Can I tell you something? Both of them are exactly the same Greek word. Can you see that? But do they mean the same thing? No. How will we know? Context. Can you see that? Context. Now that's context in the actual passage and context throughout the word of God. In other words, context, what does it mean here? What does it mean there? We put the pieces all together. It's quite complicated, to be honest with you. That's why we need to be taught and to teach one another. But there's a final thing that, and this is probably the most important. This is why you don't have to be a Greek scholar. You don't have to know everything I've taught you. You don't have to know anything. Because the final thing and the most important thing is we need to see the gifts and the fruit, how they operated in the life of our example. Amen. And who is our example? King Yeshua himself. All right. He himself said, I do nothing but I see my father doing. You see? And he said to his disciples, because they said to him, show us the father. You know, sort of, we want to see God. Amen. We want to see God. What did he turn around and say to them? Look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen. Amen. So you see, when we look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, if you really want to understand them, because let me just say this, this is not an intellectual exercise, you understand? Our brains can help us, but they can only take us so far. Because when it comes to things like the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what have we got to do? Pick up the heart of them. You understand? Pick up the spirit of them. Take the greatest fruit of all, love. You can't describe love in simple English. God's kind of love. It's too big. Our language just can't do it. You can't describe love, but you can pick up the sense of it from his life. Amen. Hanging on the cross there, loving humanity in a terrible situation. That's the only way. So the most important way to understand the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and also the gifts for that matter, but the heart of the fruit is to see in the life of Christ how he operated. And you pick up the feel of it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because they are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You see, this fruit of kindness is so extremely powerful if we understand it. Kind isn't just being sweet and gushy on every occasion. What I'm trying to say is, it's not that. But what is it? Well, the Greek word is the word Christotes. I know it sounds very highfalutin, but don't bother about the whole word. What it means is the same word for the anointing, believe it or not. The anointing. Christ, same word base, Christotes. Now you see, the actual sense of it, 
And the meaning of that word is, the root of it is to rub, anoint with oil. You see, anoint with oil. But in this context, that anointing with oil has this significance. It's like when you anoint with oil as a healing balm. Okay? A healing balm. As we are going to see, an act of kindness brings such healing. Amen? It brings healing. When you and I operate with kindness, real biblical kindness, it always brings healing. Amen? So you see, when you and I are kind, what it means is that we respond to people, and remember, all of these fruit are captured in the fruit of love. You see, when we respond to people with a kind heart, a loving heart, it makes all the difference. It changes situations completely around. It's extremely powerful. So you see, you and I in this world find ourselves in situations, interacting with people all the time. We've got a choice. How are we going to respond? You see? And the world system is designed to make you and I respond in a way which satisfies our own, how shall I say, attitude. Somebody does something that we don't like, toys out the cot. Who do you think you are? You understand? This is what the business world is full of all the time. All right? But you see, we call to a higher standard. And that fruit of kindness, let me tell you, is tested in a situation where in the natural, the last thing we want to do is be kind. Amen? You take the gifts, for example. You want to develop the gift of healing. What have you got to have? <laughs> to develop the gift of healing, what have you got to have? Somebody who is sick. <laughs> You've got to have sick before you can heal. Does that make sense? But you see, we get tested. And that's the time to develop. Amen? So you find yourself in a difficult situation where the natural reaction is to slap the other person around because you might have the authority to do so. Because they may even deserve it. Exactly. That's the point. They do deserve it. In the natural, that's what's called for. Sharon had the example, I hope she won't mind me using it. They organize this wonderful end-of-year performance for parents, like open shop. And the parents all invited. There's one lady who's not on the list because she didn't want to be on the chat. So Sharon omits to invite her. So there, little girl sitting, no mom. Terrible. Anyway, the point is this. The mother gets to hear of this. Oh, toys up the cot. She marches into the school. And she wants to, you know what, really. She sits down and starts to get all upset. And Sharon holds her tongue. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. And she says, can I give you a hug? And that's a very good way to take the steam out of the whole thing. But she says, no, I don't want a hug. No, 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 no. Goes on. And she winds down eventually. And long story short, she eventually says, can I have that hug? Gives her a hug. She resolves the situation. And she hadn't put on a show for her specifically. So the whole thing was resolved, you understand. It dissipated, you understand, through an act of kindness. 
even though she didn't deserve it. All right? What did she deserve? In the natural, what did she deserve? Oh, well, while you're on the subject of her being informed, you didn't want to be on the group chat, did you? Oh, I'd love to do that. Oh, that's me, Graham. Oh, yeah, 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 you want to yell at us? Well, first of all, let's talk about you. You see? What would have happened then? Oh, you want to talk about me, do you? <laughs> Fireworks in Cornwall Hill. Without ESCOM's help. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, and what would have happened? Both parties would have left unhappy. Bad vibe in the air. Amen? Can you see that? Kindness. Now what is kindness? Kindness is an act or a word filled with love in any situation. Amen? An act or a word filled with love. God's love in any situation. And that is what actually opens the door. Let me tell you, it opens doors. Let's go to an example in the Gospels. I'm not going to turn there. We all know it so well. The Gospel of John. It's chapter 7 if you want to look at it. But there's this woman, okay, by the well. We all know the story of the woman by the well. The Lord was busy. He was going from Jerusalem to Galilee, all right? In between is Samaria. Samaria. Samaria was the place you didn't want to go to, if you understand. It's like going from here down to the coast. You've got to go through Johannesburg East. You might not want to do that. But what I'm saying is that, you see, he stops by this well at a place called Sychar, and his disciples go off to get food. You can just pick up that he knows his father wants him to stay there. He doesn't go with them. And he's probably wondering, why am I here? But he knows that God, his father, has got the perfect plan for him. What happens? This woman comes to draw water from the well. Ancient well, by the way. Dug by Abraham centuries before. But she comes. And she comes at a time which is not usual for people to come because she's on her own. I get the feeling in those days, going to the well was like a social event. And then all the ladies went to the well, chatted, gossiped, whatever, and then took the water home. All right? John chapter 4. It is John 4, the whole chapter. But let's get through the story. So this woman comes to get water on her own. And now, you see, we've got to understand the culture of the day because she was a Samaritan woman, you see. And she's on her own, and she's a woman. Here we have the king of the universe, who is a Jew by their standards. He's a rabbi, which is the holiest of the lot, and he's a male, you see. In that day and age, women were not allowed to speak to males on their own. The Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans, and on top of it, he's a holy man. So she looks at this lot, and you can see out of the corner of her eye, she thinks, oh no, I'm in trouble hoping to come here on my own. She draws, starts to draw water and hopes to get it over with. You understand? What does he say to her? He approaches her. Woman, give me something to drink. If you can understand the culture of the day, she probably almost fell over. What? This is ridiculous. You understand? Completely ridiculous. And then she said, well, what are you talking to me about? And the whole conversation starts. And you know the story, how it goes. 
he starts to speak to her about living water. And so he says to her, don't you want this living water? You see? Yes, yes, because if you have this living water, you don't need to come to the well anymore. Oh, what a pleasure. Yes, give it to me, sort of thing. Then he says, go and call your husband. <laughs> that is what you call a loaded question, you see. It's like when you're a little schoolboy and the teacher comes up behind you and says, Graham, have you done your homework? <laughs> Go and call your husband. And a bit of a silence, and he just says, um, I don't have a husband. Guess what? He knew exactly. You spoke correctly, yes, you don't have a husband. Furthermore, you know, you've had five of them, and the one you're living with is not your husband, you see. And right there, she starts to change the subject. <laughs> Graham, where's your homework? We won the match, miss. We won the match. I even scored. <laughs> yes, I know. I watched it. It was a good match. Now, right there. Right there. Can you see? Here is this son of God. Here is this woman caught literally in a sinful situation. Right there. What could he have done? I know all about you. You really think I need water from you? You understand? You are a sinful person. I suggest that you go and do a hundred Hail Marys and repent. Can you see? Now, in a sense, forget the Hail Marys, but that's exactly what he could have done. Can you see? That's, in a way, what she deserved. But what did he do? What did he do? He responded with kindness. And understand it all. But don't worry about it. You're important to God. What was her response? Forget the water, forget everything. Let me go and tell everybody who I've met. You understand? Let me go and spread the news. As a result of that, now remember he was passing through. He was supposed to be going to Galilee. The whole village came out. They chatted to him and they begged him to stay there. Stay there another two days. <laughs> Hallelujah. And afterwards they said, we believe because of what the woman said, but now we believe because we've heard you ourselves. That whole village got saved. Amen? That whole village got saved. Why? What opened the door? One act of kindness. Can you see words and deeds filled with the love of God? Amen? Can you see that? We call to be kind out there. It's not easy, but that's what we call to do. You see, the thing is this, that the Lord, he didn't so much talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He left that for others to write about. He lived them. Can you see? The other example, which I love, is the woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, this was a setup. Okay, do you want the verse? John 8, from verse 3. John chapter 8. But you see, he's in Jerusalem, and those Pharisees and scribes, they wanted to get him. They hated him. He showed them up for what they really were. And that's the worst thing you can do to a man of God, let me tell you. But anyway, they set it up, you see. They set this woman up. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, don't get me wrong. But every one of us here as adults will know that when it comes to adultery, it takes two to tango. Am I right or am I wrong? But in this case, they only brought one. The big question is, where and who? was the other one, you understand. And the chances are great that it was one of them because they set the thing up. Do you all understand? Anyway, 
The whole thing was they wanted to put him into a place where between a rock and a hard place. Where if you do, you're damned. If you don't, you're damned. So they say to him, okay, now she's caught in the very act. We've got witnesses, blah, blah, blah. She needs to be stoned. What do you think? Now, stoned wasn't throwing pebbles, by the way. Taking big rocks, put the person in a pit, and everybody threw these massive rocks until the person's skull was crushed and they were dead. Lovely, lovely. They wouldn't do it on the Sabbath, by the way. That was unholy. Just for information, they wouldn't do it on the Sabbath. Unholy. But anyway, what they wanted to see was this great moral preacher involved in this horrible act. You understand? However, they were hoping that it said, no, you can't do that. Then what would they have done? Ah, you're breaking the law of Moses, you understand? That's what they wanted, to catch him. Ugly, really ugly. They didn't care hoot about this poor woman, did they? Now, the Lord, for their information, which they didn't realize, knew the law better than they did. Because the law doesn't say you stone the one, you have to stone the two. Plus, for somebody to warrant being stoned like that, you had to have two witnesses. You couldn't go around saying, oh, this person did this, let me just stone, get rid of your enemies. You understand? They couldn't do that. You had to have two witnesses. And on top of that, the person who was the witness had to throw the stone first. Can you see? That was the law. That was the law. In other words, you couldn't expect somebody else to do your dirty work. Let's put it that way. So what did the law do? Goodness me, I'm in a pickle. Goes down onto the ground and he writes in the sand. They're all frustrated. Come on, come on, give us an answer, give us an answer. What do you think? What? Eventually he stands up and we all know what he says. He says, fine, you're quite right. She needs to be put to death like this. But let anyone here, the one here who does not have any sin, let him throw the first stone. <laughs> Can you just imagine this hush of conviction comes upon all of them? They know what they've done. And in the presence of God, they suddenly realize, oh, my soul. And then it describes how, from the, I think it's from the youngest to the oldest, they dropped the stone and beetled off quietly, one by one, you see. And eventually, there's no one there except this poor woman. Can you just imagine what's going through your heart? Totally broken. Totally broken. Her life hanging on a thread. She doesn't know if she's going to get killed. She's been exposed, publicly humiliated. Can you imagine? Her life is worthless. How is she feeling in her heart? Totally, totally broken. I can guarantee she's not looking up. She's looking down the ground, wondering what is going to happen to me now. Here she is in the presence of the Lord of glory. Remember, the holiness that he had in his life had brought that conviction upon all those people. So powerful they couldn't do it. How do you think she's feeling right there in that presence? Right there, what could he have said? The only one there without any sin. What could he have said? Sinful woman. Rock. Bash. And he would have been justified in doing it. Amen. He would have been fulfilling the law of Moses. However, what did he do? He responded with what? Kindness. 
goes to this lady and he says, Woman, where are your accusers? I don't know. No one to accuse you? And then he says these beautiful words. Remember, kindness is a word or an act done with the love of God. And I can just imagine the tenderness in his voice. The Old Testament says, a smoking flax he will not snuff out. It's like when you've got a candle that's just a little ember there. And to stop the smoke, what do you do? Snuff it out, you understand? But the word says, and Christ even repeated those words, a smoking flax he will not. This woman is like a smoking flax there, just barely alive as a human being. You understand? Does he snuff her out? With such tenderness, I can imagine. He said, woman, I don't accuse you. Go, don't sin anymore. You understand? Don't sin anymore. Can you see? Probably saved her entire existence and caused her to touch many lives. Amen? An act of kindness. That's how powerful it is. The last one I want to talk about, this is the one I really love, and this is in John 21, final chapter. You all know the story of Peter and, oh, I love this so much. The Lord's about to be crucified, you see. He knows it, and he tells his disciples. His disciples didn't believe it, you know, that they just couldn't get it. They thought he's raised the dead, he's done all of this, nobody can touch this man. But anyway, oh, Peter, when he hears this, I don't think there's any language that could describe it as well as that, as the heavenly language. Peter is No one will touch you. I can imagine. He's a big burly fisherman, probably towers above the rest. He's a Galilean, remember, from the Free State. And <laughs> didn't you know that? Bloemfontein is another name for Capernaum. Peter says, nobody will touch you. Don't worry, leave it to me. If they try and harm you, I've got my sword sorted. What did the Lord say to him? Before the cock crows twice, you will have betrayed me three times. And I can just see Peter saying, (laughs) that'll be the day. You understand? Lo and behold, what does become of it? We know. They come... Well, Peter did put up a show, let's be honest. He did cut off Omelchus's ear. All right, so it wasn't all just talk. But the Lord said, put your sword away, picks up the ear, <laughs> dust it off. <laughs> Must have been amazing, don't you think? Your enemy heals you. That's a difficult one to swallow. But anyway, they've got instructions. He gets hold of, they all bombshell. All, right? all the disciples are off. Peter and John, John was there, but Peter follows, sort of he knows what he's supposed to do, but he doesn't know how to quite go about it. This is beyond him. And we all know the story. He manages to get into the enclosure there. The first person says, aren't you one of them? No, 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 no. Another one says, aren't you one of them? No, no, not me, not me. And then, I love this, a servant girl. (laughs) Big, burly fisherman and a servant girl. And she looks at him and says, I saw you with him. I saw you with him. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not me. And he swears. He curses. No, no. Not me. This big fisherman kowtowing to a... Shows you, eh? 
what fear can do to a person. But anyway, so he betrays the Lord. Fast forward a bit further down the road, we know the Lord dies, he gets resurrected. And now the disciples are at a loose end. They don't know what to do because they had such high hopes. They thought that this great rabbi was going to become the great ruler of Israel. And at one stage, they were fighting with each other to be his right-hand man. Did you know that? He had to stop them. He said, stop being children. They wanted, because guess what? They thought, and the mother as well, thought, you know what? Make sure that my boys are on the inside, you see. When you're king, when you're king, you know, remember my boys, right hand, left hand. He says, it's not my job to do that. But you understand? So now, this hasn't happened. No king, no nothing. They become fugitives from the Roman authorities, actually. And Peter says to his friends, I can just see it on his face, disappointment. I'm going fishing. Going back to what I know. You understand? And they all say, good idea. <laughs> they throw their nets in this little boat and they push out and they start to try and fish. I don't think their heart was really in it because they feel so disappointed by life. Have you ever felt disappointed by life? Your car crashes and you don't need that right now. And they're catching how much? Nothing. Anyway, they see this man on the shore. He says, children, have you caught any fish? No. And then he says something. Cast to the other side. I'm sure the moment he said that, a bell began to ring. Because this sort of thing had happened once before, remember? They fished all night and he told them to fish again and they reluctantly caught a big catch. But anyway, then suddenly they twig. And John says to Peter, it's the Lord. He can't handle it. He puts on his cloak, jumps out. But they put the net out. And what do they do? They catch a massive catch, 153 fish. They have to drag it to shore. The boat's too small. But anyway, they get there, and it's the Lord. And now they're having breakfast. This must have been the strangest breakfast in all of history, don't you think? What's going through their minds? The Lord's enjoying his snook. I mean, <laughs> past the garlic sauce, you know. <laughs> He's having a wonderful feast there. It's not snook, by the way. It's tilapia. I know, I've tasted it. It's delicious. But anyway, now, can you imagine Peter sitting watching this lot? What's going through his mind? Is he enjoying his breakfast? It reminds me of the days when I was in boarding school. On Sunday mornings, before church notice, they would announce before breakfast. You see, we had the big hall. All the little boys would sit at their tables with their prefect, and the masters would sit at the top table. Before breakfast started, they'd say grace, and they'd say after breakfast, and they'd go through a list of names. Right? This is on Sunday, by the way, before church. All the boys had to go and report to the housemaster after breakfast. Do you know why they had to report to the housemaster? They all had sufficient black marks or they'd done something bad to warrant a good hiding. In those days, you didn't get detention. You got depression on your backside. Okay, you understand? So now, you're sitting there. If your name had been called out, how enjoyable was your breakfast? You understand? Now, the food was nothing to write home about to start with. <laughs> but even so, how enjoyable was your breakfast? Exactly, with Peter. I betrayed him. Now what? 
And you know, the Lord could have quite justifiably taken him to task. Am I right? I think if I'd been the Lord, this would have been the highlight of my ministry. Oh, Peter, <laughs> um, weren't you supposed to uh, defend me? You know, the man's uncomfortable, just rub it in. I would have loved that. He shows you how far I've got to grow still, you see. But the Lord could have justifiably said, Peter, you said you were going to defend me, and look what you did. You deserted me. You understand? He could have done that justifiably. And in a sense, Peter was probably hoping for that. You know, it's almost like get it over with sort of thing. But what did the Lord do? Responded with kindness. Amen? He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, well, of course, you know, I do love you. Even though I betrayed this whole thing, I do. I do. And so, and he tells him to feed the sheep. And then, second time, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Of course I love you, you see. And then a third time. And Peter just can't handle it. He says, well, you know I love you. You know everything. And it's interesting, isn't it? He betrayed the Lord how many times? And the Lord said to him, I love you. Even though he's asking him, do you love me? What is the Lord really saying? Doesn't matter. You see, launched Peter on his great ministry. Launched him on the ministry of his life. Amen? Can you see? All because of what? At a critical stage, an act of kindness. Do you see that? Can you see how powerful this kindness is? Amen? We need to learn. You see, and it's not as if we have to wait and somebody's betrayed us before we can show kindness. We can show kindness every single day of our lives. Did you know that? When you're standing in the queue and somebody's serving you, show kindness. A kind word. A kind act. I can't tell you how that just changes everything. Especially when people are under pressure. Just an act of kindness. I was in the bank queue and this woman was behind me. Obviously a high-profile businesswoman and as always, there's not enough tellers. There's plenty of empty cubicles, but not enough tellers, and it's busy. And oh, my soul, this woman was throwing her toys out of the cot. Now, don't, don't you think this bank should have a bit of intelligence and, you know, have enough staff when people want to be served? You understand, we've all done this. It's going on and on and on. And of course, those sort of thoughts that are vocalized loud enough, obviously, for the tellers to hear. And everybody else doesn't help them do their job, does it? No. Anyway, I'm standing there. I turned to her and I said, ma'am, I can see that you're busy. Why don't you go ahead of me in the queue? <laughs> Talk about taking a pin to a fat balloon. <laughs> I thought she'd said, thank you. Stand aside, Sonny. <laughs> I was quite happy for that. But you know what happened? Oh, no, no, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It's just fine, it's fine. It's amazing, isn't it? The woman changed completely. She changed completely. I was sharing on Thursday, I was again in the bank, my lot in life, and I'm sitting there and it's busy, you know, it's the beginning of the month, and there's a, 
a lot of people, they don't have queues anymore. They're there. You will sit around waiting for your number to be called. It's like lottery. <laughs> I'm waiting for the jackpot. <laughs> but in this case, you don't wait, you just keep waiting, you see. So I'm sitting there, I thought, well, Lord, what must I do here? You understand? What must I do? I'm here. I can pray in the Spirit. That's wonderful. But surely, you know, maybe I can touch somebody or reach someone. There's one woman here, a profile woman, obviously a businesswoman, she's on her cell phone and blah, blah, blah. She sort of turns away from me, thinks I'm some sort of creep. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get very far with her. But she got removed quite quickly, fortunately. And then I'm sitting there, and one of the bank assistants, this black lady, she comes barging through and trying to help everybody, by the way, trying to fast track people to the right. Okay, very good. Anyway, she comes to me and says, how are you? I said, I'm always well. You see, I'm always well. She said to him, are you very lucky? I said, no, no, I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. (laughs) Okay, now listen to this. I'm not impatient to get anywhere. You understand? This is my lot in life. I'm blessed. Okay, so she says to me, I wish I could be blessed. I said, you can be blessed. You can be blessed as well. You can be blessed as well. You can be blessed. And then before she went, I said, hold on. Hold my hand. Hold her hand, and I just prayed God to bless her, to fill her with his presence and fill her with his peace. And she started to cry. Do you know that? Yes, she did. In the middle of the bank, she started to weep. I said, go well. Amen? Now, can I just say something? A few other people that were agitating saw this. And I could sense in that Waiting area. Peace. Amen? Peace. Why? What opened the door? Amen? What opened the door? A mighty miracle of healing can work. A mighty prophecy or word of knowledge, because I always wait on God for a word of knowledge. Not necessary on this occasion. What opened the door? Act of kindness. I mean, I'm challenging us to be people that operate in kindness. Do you know that? Especially when we come together and out there. And you see, the point is we have to be brave and not expected to get anything out of it. We just operate kindness anyway. The Lord didn't say, oh, well, let me see if this is going to work on this woman. He was just kind anyway. He was kind wherever he went. Did it work every time? Not necessary, but he was kind, you see. And let me just say this. If we in the church can get it right and we are people that act with kindness. And you see, once again, it's not just being kind now and then. We do it so often that we become kind. And you see that? We are just kind people. We are kind people. You know what happens? It brings healing. Remember that word? It brings healing. That woman that I prayed for in the back, it brought healing. Maybe not physically, it brought healing. Do you understand? It brings healing. And the world's crying out for kindness. Did you know that? Crying out for kindness. In the church, the praise can be shocking. The preaching can be even worse. The pastor might not have a clue what he's doing. But let me tell you, if we are kind, people will come. Amen? What's the other side of the story? The preaching can be top-notch. The fire of God. The praise can be, oh, my soul. <laughs> Five-piece orchestra. Yes, yes, yes. Lay it on me. 
the pastor can be love on wheel. But if we are not kind one to another, what's going to happen? Don't want nothing to do with you. You understand? This kindness, let me tell you, it's not weakness, it's power. God's kind of power. And if you and I can operate in that, you'll be amazed how many doors that kindness will open. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness shown to us. How many times have we behaved in a way that you'd be quite justified into just quietly snuffing us out and trying someone else? How many times? And yet every time, oh Lord, how do you respond towards us? Kindness. Try again. You can do it. Keep going. Oh Lord, may we pick up the spirit of kindness from you. Fruit, Lord. May this fruit be evident in our lives as we deal with others. May we be a kind people. Kind people are the kind of people that you want us to be. May we be that by your grace. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you.